0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Talk Extra Time. I'm James Taylor, and in part 1 of this episode, I've got Saturday's J2 games for you. In part 2, John Steele has Sunday's games, and then in part 3, he and I got together for an in-depth chat about 3 of those games. Finally, Mike Guinness rounds out the episode with all the latest from J3 in Jtalk Short Corner. Let's start at Nihondaira, where 2nd place Shimizu S-Pulse welcomed strugglers Roaso Kumamoto, the home side started on the front foot with Ryuga Tashiro forced into early saves by Katsuhiro Nakayama and Reon Yamahara. Tashiro was beaten in the 26th minute by Nakayama, who received the pass from Takashi Inui on the penalty spot, turned and put his shot into the bottom left corner. Kumamoto drew level in first half stoppage time. A corner flicked on goal by Kaito Abe. Shuichi Gonda reacted late and could only parry it onto the post. And Shun Ito followed up to smash it into Gonda's face as he was already prone behind the line. The goal was awarded to Abe, it seemed it must have uh, crossed the line before Gonda actually got to it. So it was 1 1 at half time. 10 minutes into the second half, Shimizu's Carlinhos Jr. was dispossessed in midfield, and a quick counter saw Rei Hirakawa dink the ball over Gonda for 2 1. 11 minutes later, it was 3 1. Rimu Matsuoko lost, then won the ball off Carlinhos. Ito took over and beat Gonda from about 25 yards. Kumamoto held on for the win that secures their survival. They're seven points clear of Omiya. Shimizu's loss gives Machida the title and leaves the door open for Jubilo Iwata and Tokyo Verdi, who drew 1-1. This was an even game that saw a goalless first half before a lightning counter by Verdi opened the scoring in the 56th minute. An Iwata corner fell invitingly to Dudu, but before his swinging foot could make contact with the ball, Teammate Ricardo Grassa pushed it away, toe poked it basically, to Verdi's Hikaru Nakahara waiting on the edge of the Verdi area. Nakahara dribbled at high speed from box to box, laid the ball off to Kosuke Saito on his left and kept going, then flicked Saito's cross on goal from the penalty spot. Yuki Mura made the save, but the ball fell to Naoki Hayashi, whose shot went in off the bar. Iwata equalised in the 69th minute. Rikia Uehara and Dudu playing a nice 1 2 on the edge of the Verdi area before Uehara curled a shot past Mateus. This draw means Iwata stay third, Verdi stay fourth, and both are just a point behind Shimizu now. Elsewhere on Saturday, Tokushima Vortis confirmed their J2 status for 2024, with a come-from-behind win away to Viva Nagasaki. With 10 minutes on the clock, Nagasaki's Shunya Yoneda found Asahi Masuyama with a huge cross-field pass, and Masuyama laid the ball off for Kayo Cesar, to score with a low shot from about 15 yards. 10 minutes later Tokushima's Ryota Nagaki hit the post with a free kick and straight after that Nagasaki's Juanma Delgado had a shot tipped past the post by Jose Aurelio Suarez. The scores were level in the 35th minute, Takashi Abe heading past Go Hatano. This was a bit of a strange one as a cross was deflected high into the air and Hatano lunged forward to punch it clear but couldn't get enough on the ball partly because he was impeded by an opponent. Eichi Shirai got what proved to be the winner for Tokushima in the 69th minute, a counter attack and a shot from 25 yards, middle of the pitch, that curled easily past Hatano. Nagasaki hit the post and the bar in quick succession in the 84th minute, but Vortis held on. Final score, Nagasaki 1, Tokushima 2. Vortis move on to 47 points, 8 clear of Omiya, while Nagasaki dropped 2 places to eighth, 2 points off the playoffs. A late goal from Silvio Jr. grabbed a point for Renault for Yamaguchi away to Vigalta Sendai. Yuta Goke put Sendai ahead in the 19th minute, running onto an expert flick from Ryoma Makida and beating Kentaro Seki in the Yamaguchi goal. Sendai couldn't build on that goal though, and eventually paid the price for not capitalising on their dominance. In the 78th minute, substitute Silvio Jr. converted Tsubasa Umeki's cross, and Sendai had to play the final few minutes with 10 men, after substitute Ho Young-jun received a second yellow. The first was for descent. the second for a rash tackle that didn't seem to make contact with the opponent. Final score 1-0, Sendai are 13th, Yamaguchi inch a point further ahead of Omiya. The gap is 5 points now. And finally on Saturday, two teams who'd already secured safety met in Fujieda, where the guests were Mito Hollyhock. The home side took this one 1-0 thanks to a 32nd minute goal from Kazaki Nakagawa, a shot from 35 yards that flew past Louis Yamaguchi and into the top corner. Fujieda keeper Kaichiri Kitamura pulled off some excellent saves in the first half when the game was goalless. And late in the second half, Mito couldn't get any of their numerous chances on target. Fujieda are 12th, Mito are 17th. That's Saturday taken care of. Here comes John with Sunday's games.
1: Thanks for that, James. Hi, everyone. John Steele here to run you through the J2 action from the Sunday games in round 40. Let's start with Machida Zelvia. they already knew they were going to be champions after the Saturday results, but they ended their home campaign with a celebratory win anyway, beating Kanazawa 1-0 at Nozuta, and there were 11,181 supporters inside the stadium to see the J2 trophy lifted uh, after the game. The only goal here came very early, in just the third minute, when a right wing cross took a deflection of Kanazawa's Norimichi Yamamoto and dropped into the path of Yu Hirakawa, who cushioned the ball in off the post from about 10 yards. So Machida 1, Kanazawa 0 was how the game finished. Congratulations again to Machida, Uh, worthy J2 champions, I think we can agree. They can begin or perhaps continue their J1 preparation now. And commiserations to Kanazawa, uh, all their uh, staff players uh, and supporters, they're now all but doomed to finish bottom, uh, and they can start or or perhaps continue their J3 preparation for 2024. In the playoff places, Jeff Chiba stay fifth and tighten their hold on a top six finish, thanks to a late winner in their home game against Iwaki. It finished Jeff Chiba 1, Iwaki 0. Iwaki asked Jeff plenty of questions in the first half here, but were then reduced to 10 men on the stroke of half-time. Influential centre-back Rio Endo picking up a second yellow card after a tangle with Dudu as the Brazilian forward tried to break clear about 35 yards from the Iwaki goal. Uh, Dudu being Dudu, he made the most of some pretty minimal contact um, to get the decision, I think it's fair to say. But yes, Endo was off and Iwaki had to play the second half with 10 men. They held firm until the 86th minute when Hiro Komori volleyed in the winner. Komori actually headed a right-wing cross against his teammate Daisuke Suzuki's body, but then Komori reacted quickest to the loose ball and volleyed in from the corner of the six-yard box for his 13th goal of a, a pretty a superb rookie season. So Jeff Chiba won, Iwaki nil was how it finished. Iwaki stayed five points clear of the relegation zone, in 19th place and uh, yes we'll be glad to have at least tightened up at the back after letting in seven goals against Shimizu last weekend Uh, and Jeff meanwhile are three points clear of the team in sixth place that team is now Vanfere Kofu after they scored twice in the second half to leave Omiya on the brink of relegation at knack five it finished Omiya nil Kofu two the home side as usual in desperate need of points had a let off in only the third minute here as cristiano went clean through for kofu and rattled the post from an acute angle into the second half omiya looked to have weathered a storm of kofu pressure including their goalkeeper Ko shimura making a superb save from riku iijima But then Omiya conceded twice in the space of four minutes. In the 74th minute, a weak defensive header gave possession back to Kofu right on the edge of Omiya's penalty area. And that led to Peter Utaka crossing from the left and Yoshiki Torikai kind of backhealing the ball over the line from inside the six-yard box. Shortly after that, Sota Mura sent in a low cross from out wide on Kofu's left, and Ryotaro Nakamura expertly clipped the ball into the bottom corner from about six yards to make it Omiya nil, Kofu two. That's how the game finished. Kofu a level on points with seventh place Yamagata, but two goals better off on goal difference, so very tight on the fringes of the playoff zone, and those two are only two points ahead of eighth place Nagasaki. Omiya, meanwhile, are five points adrift of safety in 21st, and they must win their next game to stay alive uh, going into the final round of matches. Uh, It won't be easy, though, because they have to travel to 2nd place Shimizu. I mentioned Yamagata just briefly, and they kept themselves in top six contention and damaged Gunma's very slim playoff hopes, thanks to a 91st-minute winner from Junya Takahashi at Soft Stadium. The final score here was Yamagata 2, Gunma 1. Zayn Isaka had nearly given Yamagata the lead inside the first minute, but he just couldn't get his shot on target right in front of goal. It was Isaka, though, who put Yamagata in front in the 49th minute when a corner was headed out to the edge of Gunma's penalty area. Isaka controlled the ball on his chest and then put in a shot from about 20 yards that deflected off a Gunma player. I think uh, Koki Kazama was the unlucky player on its way into the back of the net. So Yamagata 1-0 up uh, right after half time. Gunma kept going and they were rewarded with an equaliser midway through the second half when a corner ran all the way through to the back post. It was collected by Kazuma Okamoto and he had time to set himself and put in a low shot from about 16 yards that went through defender Keisuke Nishimura's legs and into the bottom corner. Two goals in two games for Okamoto. Yamagata won it though in stoppage time when left back Masahito Ono sent the ball into space down the left hand side. Gunma defender Shuichi Sakai misread the flight of the ball, and that allowed Thiago Alves to dribble into the penalty area and set up Takahashi, who rolled the ball in from about 12 yards to make it Yamagata 2, Gunma 1. Uh, Takahashi's first goal for the club, and he looked uh, yeah, justifiably pleased about it. Yamagata, as mentioned, a 7th level on points with Kofu in 6th. Gunma are in 11th, four points further back, and with only two games left, uh, yes, they'll need a miracle to uh, to reach the uh, the playoff places. Another team that kept their playoff dreams alive with an injury time winner were Oita. In a game that they had to win, they eventually beat Akita 2-1 at Resonac Dome. Oita started with purpose here and took the lead in the sixth minute, when a long ball into the box from Yuki Kagawa was headed down by a friend of uh, Sam Robson, Shun Nagasawa, for Shun Ayukawa to control and fire in from about six yards. Things nearly got better for Oita moments later, as Nagasawa rattled the post with a header from a free kick, but Akita drew level in the 19th minute. When a deep free kick was headed across goal by Takashi Kawano, Oita failed to clear, and that allowed Keita Saito to swivel and send the ball into the bottom corner from about eight yards for Oita 1. Akita won. In the second half, Oita had the better chances without being able to uh, retake the lead. Akita's keeper Kentaro Kakoi made a superb low save from another Nagasawa header. And late on Tsukasa Umesaki hammered the ball against the post from 12 yards when it ran loose into his path. But it seemed like Akita were on course to earn a point. Then the drama came in the 93rd minute when Oita won this game with a penalty scored by Umesaki awarded for handball. Akita's Ryota Takara slid in to block a shot from an Oita player and the ball hit his thigh then uh, went onto his arm. A penalty was given and Takara picked up a yellow card for his troubles. Um, In the old rules, the the John Steele rules, that would have been classed as ball to hand but uh, yeah, Akita were unlucky. Uh, The penalty was given and scored by uh, Umesaki. So Oita 2, Akita 1 was how the game finished after that late penalty. A first win in four games for Oita, who are in ninth on 58 points, three behind the playoff places. For Akita, this was a third straight defeat, uh, but they'll be quite relaxed. I think they're mathematically safe now in 14th place. Finally, from round 40 in J2, Tochigi boosted their survival hopes and damaged Okayama's chances of finishing in the playoff places by bringing back a point from City Light Stadium. It finished there, Okayama won, Tochigi won. Okayama had the ball in the net midway through the first half, but the goal was correctly disallowed for offside against Thiago Alves, the Okayama striker, so no goals at the break. Ten minutes into the second half, it was Tochigi who took the lead. When a corner was cleared and looked to be heading out for another corner over on the far side, Shuya Takashima reacted well and was able to head back across goal for Ismaila to head into the roof of the net. So Tochigi at 1-0 up ten minutes into the second period. Okayama pulled level from the penalty spot with about eight minutes to go. Takashima, who had set up the Tochigi goal, was the villain this time as he brought down Rui Tsuyoshi inside the penalty area. Jordi Bice converted the penalty for 1-1, but Okayama couldn't find a winner and it finished Okayama 1. Tochigi 1. That draw leaves Okayama tenth, level on points with Gunma. That means they're both four points off the playoffs with two games left. Sochigi rise to 18th on 44 points that's the same tally as Iwaki and Yamaguchi so that trio all five points clear of omiya and the drop zone going into the last two match days all right I think James and I have rounded up all the uh, all the results from round 40 over the weekend then so please stay tuned after a quick uh, musical break James and I got together for some j2 chat so we'll pick out uh, some of the big stories uh, and talk through them uh, in a moment so yeah speak to you soon <laughs>
0: Time. welcome back everyone james and john here to talk about a couple of the big games at the top of the table from last weekend uh, john how are you
1: yeah very well thanks uh, james yeah early early morning chat for us this week which is uh, very nice
0: yes it uh, feels weird but uh, we'll get through it i'm sure it'll be okay um yeah, all right. So uh, bums squeaking at both ends of the table in J2, I think. And uh, as I said, we're just going to talk about a couple of games from the top of the table. Let's start with the uh, second place Shimizu against Raso Kumamoto. This one finished Shimizu one, Kumamoto three. John, Wow <laughs> bit of a. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's a stunning, stunning result. I it was one of those where just scrolling through the results on the on the match day, I had to kind of double check that you know everything was in order here, that the 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 score was the right way round. Um, I don't think anybody picked Kumamoto to win uh, this game, or I perhaps Gary Owen only uh, you know, <laughs> would have been out there on that one. And I think if you watch the um, if you watch the first thirty minutes, Shimizu were just all over Kumamoto, weren't they? As you'd expect given the the sort of league league positions of the two teams. It didn't feel like a game that they were going to lose 3-1 based on the chances that they had in that first sort of half an hour. I mean, Kumamoto hit their own crossbar in about the fourth minute. Um, <laughs> goalkeeper Tashiro had to make numerous saves and defenders were sort of blocking things left and right. And then it was kind of the only surprise early on, really, was it took about 25 minutes for, for Nakayama's goal, uh, you know, for, for Shimizu to go in front. And then uh yeah things just sort of w- went wrong for shimizu after that i think we uh are probably going to talk about shuichi gonda a bit more in a moment but i think i'm not sure about his um positioning or what he did with the, the first goal that the kumamoto mm-hmm. equalizer because he um sort of palmed the ball palmed the header onto the inside of the post and over the line and then well i guess the ball was on the line and ito following up then then kicked it into into gonda's face on its way <laughs> into the net so pretty pretty disastrous stuff i don't know when this happened uh james this is this is probably a topic for for postseason poddage but um defenders um inside the post on corner kicks seems to just not be in vogue nowadays i've, I've, I've seen oh. numerous numerous goals this season where just a player standing on the post would have easily been able to clear um but uh, but nobody's there and i think that that was the case that was the case here as well um, no, no complaints uh, on Gonda for the the second Kumamoto goal, kind of about 10 minutes into the second off. Brilliant ball from uh, Shimamura. Uh, perfectly weighted through ball for, for Hirakawa to just kind of chip, dink, dink over Gonda. Uh, superb finish and really probably the, the highest quality moment of, of the match, I think. But on the third goal, again, it, you know, Ito, he's tried his luck from the edge of the penalty area and it's one of those shots that kind of fades away into the, into the side netting. It's good, good strike, but again, I'm not sure Gonda as a, a, a keeper of his um, his pedigree should be should be beaten from there. I thought we, we can perhaps do an interesting contrast of Gonda and, and Tashiro, because I think you've got, you know, you're sort of not really allowed, perhaps, to criticise Gonda, you know, because he's a former national team goalkeeper, of course, and we, we know he's been very good. But he certainly does seem to be on on the wane, in, in my view. And, and Tashiro, on, on the other hand, for Kumamoto, has had a pretty outstanding season. I'm not a huge fan of his um sort of chest thumping uh antics so i guess it's part of his part of his character so it's not something we could we could rein in but i think he's definitely a goalkeeper on the up who might be um perhaps snapped up by someone a bit higher up the food chain for next season um whereas Ogonda, I, shimizu didn't lose this game just because of him I, I don't want to pin it on him i think they they just sort of lost lost the plot in, in the second half and kumamoto came into their own uh, and, and scored twice and won it but um yeah i thought it was a pretty um, Gonda didn't look very happy at full time. He obviously knows knows that he perhaps should have done should have done better. And more generally, um, what a great kind of J2 advert, you know, huge crowd in a mm. soccer-specific stadium in a beautiful kind of, um, well, I suppose it is autumn sunshine, but it's been so hot here, it feels like mm. summer still. So but yeah, really, really good day out for, for the Kumamoto supporters and uh, yeah i think shimizu as i mentioned stunning stunning defeat for them and, and kumamoto now are mathematically safe uh, which which they'll be uh, highly delighted with i'm sure and just looking at the run in um, shimizu are one point clear in second aren't they they host omiya and then go away to mito in the last two matches and um, i've been wrong before but that that smells like six points to me um james what do you what, what do you make of the game I bring you in
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. That first half an hour, it looked like it was going to be a walk in the park for Shimizu. Um, They're playing, like, when they're on form, it's really crisp passing, and confident flicks and loose balls that go to teammates. And, yeah, it seemed like it was only a matter of time before they take the lead. Although Kumamoto did have a goal disallowed for offside. Um, I think it was before Shimizu scored. And I think it was a very close decision. I'm not sure if it was a wrong one or not. Um, but it was harsh. And then, yeah, Kumamoto could hardly get forward for for most of the first half, and then they did earn a couple of free kicks just before half time, and then uh, that goal that they their equalizer just before half time really changed the game. and what what I, I thought that, that that was um Ito's goal, that he came in and smashed into Gonda's face. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at it, but it's funny. I do like a bit of slapstick. But it was actually Abbe's goal, the, the guy who headed it, which, which means that Gondo reacted so late. He was, the ball had already gone in before he palmed it onto the post, mm. which um, yeah, raises questions about his, his positioning and, and his reaction. There, I mean, surely you're expecting one of those jumping players to, to head it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him there. And, yeah, it's interesting. Tashiro, he's quite, he is a character. And I get, yeah, he's, you know, um, yeah, chest thumping um, is, is part of his way of motivating himself, I guess. But it reminds me a little bit of, um, people used to criticise Joe Hart when he was England goalie for, for being a bit like that. Because he would, like, get himself all pumped up and then, you know, make a mistake or something. Tashiro's a little bit like that in that he has these kind of iffy moments, or you know, dodgy dodgy games where it, perhaps he's got himself too worked up, too pumped up, and he's not focused on the game. He's focused more on the uh, you know shouting or the chest thumping or whatever. But yeah, I, I agree that he's uh, he's he's a, a promising goalie, and I uh, I'm looking forward to seeing his development over the over the next few years. Whereas Gonda, mm. hard to believe he was Japan's goalie in the last World Cup. But even in the World Cup, he'd he'd, he'd veer from uh, terrible. Mistakes to uh, like amazing saves even in the space of a few minutes, so uh, it, it perhaps not a surprise that he had a, had an off day. But yeah, it's a surprise that Kumamoto won. And in the second half, Kamamoto played like we know they can, but we haven't seen since really early this season. They've they've just been rubbish for so long. <laughs> I mean, really, really, they they. Or not, not you know, completely rubbish for every single game, ninety minutes. But they they haven't played like this very much, uh, from what I have seen. And yeah, great way to secure safety in the second place team. Um, seemingly unstoppable They're away as well. And then you mentioned the 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 crowd. 13,996, which was the highest of the weekend. Actually, there were high crowds all across the, the um, J2, the weekend. Mm. I, I, I checked the attendances for, for J2. The lowest one was Fujita Mito, 3,203. There nothing riding on that game. But the, there were seven games had over 10,000 people. One had over 9,000 and two had over 8,000. So the average of, of 10,456, pretty amazing. Mm. Mm. it's got to be one of the best weekends for attendances over the last few years
1: i think as well you know c- coming out of covid it's just yeah. so nice to see um I-, I don't want to say full full stadiums because obviously some T J- J2 stadiums are very large but uh, yeah it's just really been watching the highlights that a lot of the games felt like big games didn't
0: they mm. and none of them were for most of the games there was something riding on it either for promotion automatic promotion, or for you know, for the title, or for playoffs, or for survival, there was something on, I think pretty much, we talked last week that pretty much every game had something riding on it. Mm. And now this one, Shimizu losing, I mean, they, they could feasibly miss out on automatic promotion, which for them would be, uh, I think, a disaster, and a failure, really.
1: also it would knacker my uh, my pre-season predictions as well
0: so there's that you know it would do the same for a lot of people I think and and I think a lot of people rightly predicted that Shimizu would would go up Um, I mean it's a fair prediction Shimizu would go up automatically then they had that bad start Akiba took over they've done really really well but yeah it's not guaranteed because they dropped three points here and also uh, moving on to the next game Iwata won, Verdi won. Uh, these teams third and fourth. Now they are right behind Shimizu. They're they're, they're closing in, aren't they? What's the gap now? It's uh,
1: it's just a point. Just a
0: point, yeah, a point. Obviously, gold if goal difference comes into it, Shimizu have the edge. But yeah, like you said, they've got to play Omiya next. Omiya are fighting. They're actually fighting for survival. They're not going down with a whimper like uh, like Kanazawa. Omiya are really fighting. They've still got a chance of staying up. Mito, well, Mito, who knows what Mito's going to turn up. Uh, they, they, mm. they they, could go from the sublime to the, the terrible, although they're completely out of form at the moment. Uh, mm. But they've survived, so they don't really need to care, I suppose. <laughs> so, yeah, the Iwata 1, Verdi 1, what, what about this one then, John?
1: Yeah, I think it well, in my notes here I've I've written that again kind of similar to the the, the Shimizu uh, match and I guess since we're staying in uh, Shizuoka, you know, in terms of geographic location, there are some parallels, you know, big crowd, uh, a nice soccer specific stadium uh, in the sunshine, you know, so it kind of, kind of felt like if if you watch these two games back to back, you get the sense that J2 is in very kind of good good health. Mm. Um I thought this was a high quality game and I think the last time I said that was the Shimizu Iwata match from a couple of rounds ago. So perhaps Mm. it's not not a coincidence that um, when I watch you, I tend to feel like I'm watching a high-quality game. I think we have Mm -hmm. to give them them a bit more credit. we perhaps perhaps not talked about them as much as we we should have during the season, um, maybe. Um, I also thought there was quite a few hard tackles in this game, which added to the kind of feeling of it being like a big, you know, inverted commas, big, big match. I think in the end, a draw was a a fair result. I suppose Verdi will be the happier because they're the, the away side, but then maybe not because they were in front... Um, you know, and then didn't didn't bring home didn't bring home the three points despite uh, being in the lead. Uh, the goal that opened the scoring from Verdi was an absolutely textbook uh, counter attack,
2: yeah.
1: uh, wasn't it? After this kind of miscommunication between, I think it was it, Ricardo Grasser and Dudu to Iwata players. So you'd think um, lazily stereotyping, you'd think kind of two Brazilian players would be on the same wavelength, but um, Grasser tried to tee up Dudu for a shot, but just ended up setting up like a Verdi counter attack. <laughs> Uh, which uh, which ended up with the ball um, ball going into the net um, by the by the underside of the crossbar. So that was sort of um, comedic on the one hand, but also a kind of breath uh, kind of breathtaking the efficient uh, kind of counter attack from Verdi as well. Showed what a dangerous team uh, they're going to be in the uh, well. I was going to say in the playoffs, but I suppose they they probably would would still be aiming for automatic promotion at this point. Um, the equaliser, Rikio Uehara, was a really really nice uh, kind of left foot uh, curler, wasn't it, from just inside the box. I think the only comment on that would be from the Verdi point of view. Just had somehow he had a bit too much time. He had half a yard of space that he probably shouldn't have had to kind of just uh, open up his body uh, and, and wrap that ball into the into the corner. So um, yeah, I think one-one was was a fair result and uh, it was a good good game to watch. If anyone's not caught up with the highlights, uh, recommended. And yeah, that that you mentioned it already, James. That race for for second is now uh, there's three teams in it, isn't there? Shimizu. Uh, Iwata and and Tokyo Verdi and just mentioning the running before I bring you in, uh, Iwata with the two games that they have left, they host Mito and Go to Tochigi, I've written in my notes here, that looks like six points to me, Uh, Verde uh, they host Tochigi next and then finish away at Omiya and I've just copied and pasted, that looks like six points to me so I've got all three of these teams winning the last two games. So I guess Shimizu getting second by by one point. The fact that I think that's what's going to happen means it's almost guaranteed that's not what's going to happen in, in reality. So um, well, what did you make of this game? Uh, James Iwata won, Tokyo Verde won. And uh, yeah, what about my sort of quite lazy looking on paper um, predictions for the for the running? <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, this was this was a, a, a good game. I agree. Um, there was a, a fair bit of argy bargy, um, uh, a couple of times, one about the on the hour mark, and then in stoppage time twice, generally involving uh, Matsubara of Iwata, and a couple of times in stoppage time, um, Fabian Gonzalez kept playing on after the whistle had blown, which uh, irked some of the Verdi players and supporters as well, I think, but that was quite funny. Um, result, not really a surprise, because, I mean, these teams are equally good. We see that from looking at the table, and so Result, I mean, a draw is most likely. I thought that Verdi's goal was really, really good, really exciting, sort of 10 seconds of play, um, amazing counter-attack. and um, But I also thought Iwata responded well after they conceded. They, they, they're a good team. They're confident. They kept going. And um, they said the goal, I thought it was, it was good passing between Dudu and Uehara. And that's what opened up a bit of space for Uehara to, to shift the ball onto his left and curl it just out of um, Matthias' reach. Um, I think possible worry for Iwato is that Rio Germain went off injured quite early on mm. in the game. And I don't know if it, you know if he's if he's going to be out for you know if it was just for that one day or if he's if he's going to come back quickly or if he's going to be out. I mean, Keske Goto came on. He's good. He's obviously still inexperienced, so I would say that he's not as good as as Jermaine. And Jermaine, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, has been playing quite well recently. Mm. So if if they're missing Jermaine, it could be a problem. You know, for the last two games, and then if they're in the playoffs, it could be it could be a an issue, and yeah, in terms of the last last couple of games, it's yeah, interesting that Omiya Mito and Tochigi yes, are, are, are the teams playing they, these. Uh,
1: they hold the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's a very interesting because yeah, like I said, Mito. Who knows what Mito is going to turn up, uh, or if they're going to turn up at all. Omiya, obviously, Omiya and Tochigi uh, are you know are desperate for points. Omiya perhaps a little bit, well, maybe a little bit more so. I mean, Tochigi. Five points ahead of Omya. Um They haven't won for a while But they have drawn the last two So You know, just got to keep kind of squeaking out points And their goal difference is so much better Than Omiya's. But yeah, it's um, It's going to be very interesting Yeah, on, like you say, on paper Should be easy well, easy, But it should should be wins For Shimizu, Iwata and Verdi In all of those games But this is J2 Omiya are in the throes of working a miracle it seems Mm. and so yeah it won't be that simple i don't think it will be as simple as 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 these all these teams will win all their games and then things will stay as they are i think there's going to be uh one or two surprises in there somewhere i mean Mm. she was kamamoto didn't they so anything can happen
1: well, that's funny, isn't it? Because, I mean, I guess we're, we're sort of getting onto sort of weekend preview territory here. But, mm. but you know, the, the fact that Shimizu have just surprisingly lost at home to, to Kumamoto, I mean, that will sort of give Omiya supporters hope for the mm. weekend because they're the, they're the next team kind of, you know, rolling up at, at Nihon Daira. But I, I tend to think it might go the other way and they, that Shimizu might have a few frustrations that they want to take out on Omiya in, in that game. And, and yeah. Omiya, Omiya can't afford to sit back and try and contain Shimizu. Omiya have to win that game mm-hmm. um, so you know Shimizu, no strangers to uh, to racking up the uh, the goals uh, against Iwaki but also against other teams as well mm-hmm. so I, I can't really um, if Omiya can win that game that would be like I, I, I would have to analyse very carefully how they managed to do that to be honest mm-hmm. I, just, I just I don't know but it's J2 it's J2 James
0: yeah yeah all right. Well, let's move on to the weekend preview then. I think uh, you, you 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 you've I jumped. I've jumped the thing, gun. I apologise. Right. I apologise. Good. Get it, get it. Get it done quickly, and then uh, listeners can uh, can enjoy <laughs> enjoy this. There's a there's a game on Friday, Friday the third of November, at the funky time of five past one. The reason for that is that it's a national holiday. It's Culture Day. So if you want to get your culture go along to the JIT Recycle Inc. stadium for Van Frey Kofu against Raso Kumamoto. Kofu are sixth, looking to keep their playoff place. Kumamoto, of course, are safe. They'll just be having fun time, enjoying the holiday, I guess. And then uh, there are six games on Saturday the fourth. At five to two, Kanazawa face Oita, Oita ninth, but still got a chance of making the playoffs. And then uh, the other games at two o'clock, Iwaki against Yamagata, Tokushima against Fujieda, Nagasaki play Sendai, Iwata take on Mito, and Shimizu play Omiya. Uh, John, Friday and Saturday, what, what do you think about those games? Mm,
1: yeah, I think um, Kofu Kumamoto is interesting. Firstly, because it's obviously Friday uh, afternoon, which is a, a rarity, uh, even taking into account the fact that it's a national holiday. I suppose Kofu are playing on Friday because they've got the um, ACL coming up next Wednesday uh yeah. having a a home game against uh, zejiang apologies for the pronunciation uh on that but um yeah i think that that's an interesting game because kofu's acl game is wednesday night and it's at home uh you know albeit at Kokuritsu gojo kofu will pick a, the strongest available team i think for the game against kumamoto kumamoto are safe so they'll either be on the on the beach or they might play with a lot of freedom um in that game so i think it, that that on on paper, looks like a Kofu win, but Kumamoto will be uh, footloose and fancy free, so it could, could be an interesting one. From the games on Saturday, I think the ones that we have to focus on is, as mentioned, Shimizu against uh, Omiya. Uh, Omiya just have to win that game, and it's going to be really tough because Shimizu uh, really want to win that game as well. Mm. Um, you tend to think of the team in second place against the team in 21st, if they both go for the jugular Shimizu will come out on top, but uh, yeah, I've been watching J two for a long time, so I'm I'm not not 100 sure that's what <laughs> what's, is what's going to happen. But um, yeah, I, I anticipate a Shimizu win. I have to be honest. And then Iwata Mito, it's quite similar, isn't it? It's third against 17th, and uh, Iwata will probably similarly have some frustrations from the the previous round, the home game against Ferdi, where they they couldn't get the three points. Uh, but you alluded to it in in the in our chat, James Mito. You kind of don't really know what you're gonna what you're gonna get. Especially now that they're more or less well, they are they are safe. Uh, but I do think I'm expecting three points for the two the two Shizuoka teams at home. Uh, but I'm 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 you know ni- only 99% sure about, about that. So there's that that one percent of doubt. What I really want to know is why the Kanazawa matches at 155. Could you could you shed any light on that? It seems um, oddly specific.
0: I think it's going to be on one of the local uh, TV channels. So maybe that's why they moved it. Five minutes forward to meet their schedule or something. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, mm. I'm going to go to that. Go go with the children. They're supposed to be nice. Um, we're going to go behind the goal. I'm going to my Braille shirt. We'll get his first outing. So I'm quite quite excited about that. Nice. And um, just by the way, the last three games between Kanazawa and Oita have had 17 goals. So, uh, and also Kanazawa haven't scored at home for the last five games. So there might be a lot of goals in this one, but they'll probably all be for one (laughs) team. I agree with you about Kofu. I think they will um, put out a strong team because they're sixth, but they're level with uh, Yamagata and their goal difference is only two better. So I think they're going to prioritize making the playoffs over progressing in the ACL. Mm. Um, And yeah, so Yamagata away to Iwaki, I think um, that might be interesting to see how Yamagata get on, and then Nagasaki against Sendai. Nagasaki, so inconsistent. They they haven't won two in a row for for ages. They're because they lost, they threw threw away that lead to Tokushima. They're now two points off the playoffs, and all they have is superior goal difference slightly, but you can't mm. trust them, can you? Really, the <laughs> Sendai, you can't trust Sendai either. Who knows what what Sendai are going to do. They're all over the place this year. So I think, yeah, interesting games on Friday and Saturday. Let's have a look at Sunday's games. Uh, Sunday the 5th, also at the uh, unusual time of 5 past 1. Yamaguchi, 20th place, take on uh, the champions, Machida. And then at 2 o'clock, Gunma play Jeff. Tokyo Verdi play Tochigi. And Okayama are welcoming Akita for um, Yori Boyce's last home game for Okayama It's been announced that he is uh, not going to be with them next year. Uh, so what about Sunday's games then, John?
1: Uh, yeah, plenty to uh, plenty to keep an eye on here, I think. Yamaguchi uh, Machida. obviously any, any points that Yamaguchi can pick up is going to um, put another nail potentially in the kind of oh, Omiya uh, a Coffin, although obviously with a playing on Saturday, they're, they're, if they don't win at Shimizu, then y- Yamaguchi will be uh, safe and both both teams will be having a kind of party, won't they, uh, mm. with this game with it already already confirmed as champions. Tokyo Verdi against Tochigi is the interesting game because it's fourth against 18th. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm expecting Tokyo Verdi to win uh, both of the games that they got left. The only uh, caveat would be. Verdi at home, they have a hard time breaking teams down uh, Mm. for some reason because, you know, we mentioned that kind of counter attacking goal they scored against Iwata uh, Mm. to go in front of the weekend. They don't really get the chance to do that very often in home games Mm. because they're tending to have the ball a lot more than the other team and they'll certainly, they're going to have the ball a lot more than Tachi in this match. So I just wonder if. I, I do think by hook or by crook Verdi will win it, but I think it might be tense and I, I'm not sure they're gonna hammer Tochige. I think they might have to really be patient and maybe kind of get a you know grab a snatch a goal in the last minute or something. I think Tochigi's game plan will be the usual kind of frustrate uh, Verdi. Mm. Um, and I think Verdi are, uh, I'm going to invent a word, James. Verdi are frustratable when it comes to yeah. home games. If you if you if you if you get very tight and kind of block off their spaces, it's they find it tough. So uh, I think that it will be a very interesting. Uh, when I say interesting, tactical game. I think because I think Verdi are going to have to be at their best to to, to break Tochigi down. I also give a shout out to Gunma against Jeff Chiba because I mentioned in my roundup, I think Gunma's playoff chance sadly is, is probably gone now because they're four points off with, with two games to go. Jeff, on the other hand, um, absolutely uh, on on fire, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And I believe the away section at Shodar Stadium is already sold out for this game. Yeah. Um, which just gives you a sense of how, um, I mean, Jeff Chiba, it, it, it is by J League standards it's a fairly big club and by mm-hmm. J2 standards definitely a big club and we just haven't seen it for like five or six years really. Yeah. Um so to see again we we mentioned the big crowds over the weekend, you know, Jeff's another, you know, team which I think they've been selling out more or less for the last couple of home games as as the locals kind of awake awaken from their slumber and realise like hang on a minute. Mm. <laughs> the team's doing quite well and needs needs the support this this season. So I'm expecting Jeff, I mean Jeff Chiba away at Gunma is just such classic Jeff Banana skin territory, um, isn't it? But I do think this year or the last few games have been something a little bit different about them. Yeah. They have they, they do seem to have a word which I like to use but I haven't refused, momentum. Jeff do seem to have that momentum. Mm. And I would be interested to see how they do. I think they probably will win that game at Gunma. And that will probably set, you know, confirm their playoff place with with around around to spare. So yeah, that that's the game that I, I will be keep an eye on. Okyama against uh, Akita. I think J- Jordy Bice might be auditioning for his next uh, contract there. I can imagine him yeah. turning up Akita next season. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, attacking we'll, we'll see. minded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be not allowed to go up for corners and stuff maybe. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. yeah, but yeah, that that will also be an of games. I think it's sense with Okayama uh, it's prob, but possibly the end of the project there. I think for Takashi Kiyama this this year, and uh, as we've mentioned a few times on the pod, the last couple of games is when players' uh, attentions tend to turn to sort of contracts for next season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm expecting big big performances from a few players and Akita as well. I mean. They'd obviously be mad to part with uh, with Ken Yoshida, their their manager, but you do wonder if um, I, I, I don't know if perhaps the chain, change is kind of due there as well. So this might be the end of a couple of different uh, eras. Uh, the Okayama Akita game on 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 Sunday, I feel.
0: Yeah, you think maybe as as everyone has those, they have those to kind of run their course, like um, yeah, Yoshida Akita, they 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 haven't really progressed. Well, sure. I,
1: I think ken, ken yoshida might be due an interesting offer from another team yeah uh, i feel and i think whereas in the past i think he might have t- i'm just this is just spitballing here i've got no insider info but i think he might be at the point where he might be thinking i would like to try a job with more resources uh and if he gets the offer he might he might take it i don't know
0: yeah i think and um, with okayama i think um yeah, it also feels like, yeah, like, I agree, it kind of run its course there. They've been re- disappointing this year compared to last year. Um drawn their last three. They can still make the playoffs, they're only four points off. They've got Akita and then they're away to Kanazawa on the last day. So it is doable. Um, but of course, they're relying on other teams' results because they're, at the, you know, down in 10th, there are teams ahead of them. Um, yeah, I think with Jeff... What's really interesting with Jeff? I mean, there are a lot of interesting things about Jeff. Um, I think they showed great metal um, this past weekend to, to beat Iwaki. I know Iwaki had a had a man sent off fairly early into the game, but Jeff good, did good work. Good work
1: yeah. by Dudu. Good work by Dudu there.
0: Yeah, I uh, yeah I enjoyed your description of that. <laughs> you were very restrained. Um, he does. He does love it, doesn't he, Dulu? He um, well. Anyway, let's so not get sidetracked. Um, I think because yeah, you know, in in previous years, it, Jeff would have having having capitulated late on against Verdi the week before, they would have just failed to beat Iwaki. But they they did. It was a late goal, but it was you know late goal still counts. They won one nil. Um, so they they you know they they kind of bounced back, and I think. That's, that's a really big thing for them and of course they can still miss out on the playoffs but I don't think they will and I it's think
1: always, uh, when you see it, the manager appears on the roof of the club shop after the game to talk <laughs> to supporters you know that things things are heading in the right direction yeah
0: <laughs> and uh, as a contrast with, yeah like Gunma, I think yeah that they they're probably not going to make it, you know, four points off and patchy form, but what an incredible season they've had and it would be nice for them to, to finish on a bit of a high, I think. We're, this is the second year of, of uh, Otska there and I think, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what they can do next year because uh, hopefully they'll be able to push on from this and. Yes, yeah, so the Gumma Jeff is, is is the most interesting game of the Sunday for me. And then, as you also mentioned, Wednesday the eighth, uh, Kofu are playing uh, Zhejiang in the ACL at, at seven o'clock. That's uh, second against third in Group H. They played a couple of weeks ago in China, and uh, it was two nil to Zhejiang. So I guess Kofu will want a bit of maybe want a bit of revenge, but I think they'll be more focused on the league. They've you know their last last two games in the league, so perhaps um not not such a not such a priority
1: james you 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 know the correct pronunciation for that place and you 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 let me you let me go and try it you you should have you should have hey,
0: J- Jijang, is that right? You, Jijang. Yeah, if you've been paying attention to last 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 week's pod or whenever it was when they played the away game, you would have heard oh, it. Then
1: as oh well. No, oh no, <laughs> it's, my, it's my own, it's my own fault. What well, one thing I will say real quick is, uh, I, I did watch the uh, the kickoff or, or sort of pre-kickoff scenes at uh, Jijang, and they had uh, kind of ticker tape and sort of loo roll being thrown onto the pitch from their ultras, which I can remember being a thing when I used to go and watch uh, Stoke back in the nineties. I, I think we need. Um, it wouldn't sit well, I think, with kind of Japanese propensity for for tidiness in the stadium. <laughs> but um, I I think bog, bog roll, um, ticker tape, that sort of thing. I think we could that that looked very impressive. Um, yeah, well, I, I think need, uh, um, we need more of that.
0: take some take some toilet roll to Kanazawa, but
1: um, oh, the yeah. jo- well, the jokes might write themselves. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and um, I'm sure Speaking- there's. Yeah, go, go, go
1: ahead. Speaking of toilets, uh, James, we, there have been a few high-profile rebrands uh, across the J League, uh, <laughs> haven't there? In the last couple of weeks. We're not going to get into that now for for time reasons, but we we uh, we want listeners to know that we we're across this we're across this these travesties, and we will be we will be talking about them perhaps in the in the off season uh, yes. when there's when there's an opportunity. But uh, yeah, you're you're talking about Gunma next season, reminding me that they'll be um, their mascots changing to a, a panda, isn't it? And and things like that, and uh, there's another couple of teams that have. Um, uh, I don't know if they've disgraced themselves, but they've certainly produced uh, poor, uh, poor efforts for the kind of rebrands in the last seven days. So we- we'll talk about that when when we've got more time. I think later on.
0: Yeah, of course, are famous for its pandas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they're, they're pandering. Pandering is the joke I was trying to get, but I couldn't. I can't think of what they'd be pandering to. I don't know.
0: Panda don't know lovers.
1: Pa- pandering to. Panda lovers.
0: I think we need to stop. I think the uh, the daylight is making us giddy and uh, yeah. <laughs> we should uh, we should uh, give the listeners ears to rest uh, if they haven't turned off already. So uh, thanks John it was nice to talk to you uh, in the morning for a change. I mean the, the actual morning not um, just after midnight because we've been going on too long morning.
1: Mm, no agreed yeah it was good thanks thanks James.
0: And uh, thanks everyone for listening uh, downloading and sharing and all that sort of stuff and, of course, thank you to the Patreons who support us and JTalk Podcast. Um, don't go anywhere, because Mike Guinness is coming up next with all the latest from J3 in JTalk Short Corner.
2: J-talk, time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up-to-date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 33 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 34 matches coming up this weekend. There were three games on Saturday the 28th and Ehime FC moved closer to the J3 title with their biggest league win of the year at Nana Club. Last week it was Ryo Sato who was the somewhat unexpected star man for Ehime, this week Taiga Ishiura. He put them ahead on 14 minutes, deflecting over the line a scuffed shot by teammate Shunsuke Tanimoto after Takuto Kimura's overlapping run and cut back. It was 2-0 early in the second half. Homekeeper Arnau starting his first game since July, playing a hospital pass to Kensei Nakashima. Tanimoto easily stole possession and set up Ishiura for a comfortable finish. Nana winger Megumu Nishida had a low shot tipped round the post by Shugo Tsuji shortly afterwards. The mighty Mikans should have gone three up when Sato was through on goal but placed his shot too close to now. but the visitors did manage a third two minutes from time, Shunsuke Motegi sending in a corner, Soda Ogawa heading it on, Reya Morishta finishing at the far post. Final score, Nara nil, Ehime three. The home side follow last week's win at FC Gifu with their heaviest defeat as a J-League club and that's why they're not in contention, they drop to tenth. Three wins in a row for Ehime, accelerating towards the finish line, seven points clear at the top. Matsumoto Yamaga continue to tantalise and frustrate their fans in equal measure. They can't put together a winning run, they can do fine in an individual game as demonstrated at SC Sagamihana, where Yamaga's former pod favourite Kazuma Yamaguchi returned to centre stage. Long-time listeners may recall Yamaguchi illuminated the J2 2020 season with 15 goals and a string of stellar performances for Mito Hollyhock and he was back with a bang here, opening the scoring on 17 minutes with only his second goal since those hazy-crazy Covid days. Receiving Yusuke Kikui's pass in space on the left, leaving Yuzo Iwakami floundering, cutting inside and hammering an audacious shot into the roof of the net. Exhilarating stuff, an ecstatic celebration. Elsewhere in Matsumoto's squad there are, in fairness, Two players who can claim to have had consistent, high-performing seasons, and they combined for a second goal on the half-hour. Kikui floating in the corner, then Komatsu guiding a header inside the far post for his 19th of the year, aided, in this case, it has to be said, by some absolutely dreadful home defending. Tsubasa Ando had a couple of half chances at the other end, but Tarmigan's keeper Victor, back in the team for the first time since May, had an undisturbed afternoon. Final score, Sagamihara 0, Matsumoto 2. Something of a sense that Sagamihara feel they've done enough to avoid relegation and are now playing out the season. They stay 19th. Yamaga head back up to 6th. I'm going to keep properly quiet about Gainane Tottori's supposed promotion chances as after crashing to Katare Toyama in last week's big match this time they conceded in the closing seconds to drop two points at FC Osaka Quite how Gainale weren't out of sight by that stage is hard to understand. They did take the lead just after the half hour. Ryosuke Tamanas threw pass creating panic in the Osaka defence. Atsuki Tojo keeping his nerve and cutting it back for Yuta Togashi to finish his 8th of the season. But before then, Kentaro Shigematsu had missed a good chance to put them in front early on, and afterwards, Tojo almost made it two just before half-time, but homekeeper Tatsunari Nagai got down well to tip it round the post. And twenty minutes into the second half, Togashi thumped one against the bar from outside the area. Osaka were pretty much absent as an attacking force, but nevertheless equalised in injury time. Shunsuke Tachino launching it forward. A brilliant flick by Daigo Furukawa setting up Tomoki Taniguchi to lob it over the keeper and in. Final score, Osaka one, Tottori one. Ryō Shigaki has set Osaka up to be hard to beat. They do have the best defensive record in the division. They're level on points with Matsumoto in fifth. Gainare, are two places below them in 7th. Seven games then on Sunday the 29th and there was no way on earth all three of Ehime's nearest challengers were going to win their matches, but second-placed Kagoshima United did win theirs at Fukushima United. The only goal coming half an hour in, Kota Hoshi feeding Jin Hanato, who with nothing appearing to be on, nevertheless curled his shot inside the far post from 20 yards. The home side were much more on the front foot in the second period but couldn't find the net either via Kazuki Dohana's speculative 40 yarder or Hiroto Yukie's close-range header. And when a powerfully struck left-foot volley by Toru Shibata was kept out by Ryota Izumori's flying save, the points were won and lost. Final score, Fukushima nil, Kagoshima 1. On another day, Mitsumasa Yoda's Fukushima could have got something from the game, but a moment of inattentiveness in defence cost them dear. They slip to 16th. Five wins in a row now for Yasuaki Ōshima and his Kagoshima team clear in second. Katane Toyama meanwhile were heading for victory at home to FC Gifu, but their hopes of keeping pace with Kagoshima suffered a major blow when they conceded an equaliser in injury time. Toyama too went in front around the half-hour mark, a powerful run and well-judged pass from Mateus Leiria, freeing up rookie Takumi Ito, who finished with his left foot from 10 yards. Homekeeper Tomoki Tagawa did well to tip over a crashing shot from Charles Unduka on 65 minutes, but Katane paid for a lacklustre second-half display when Gifu sub Yuki Wada sent in across from the left, Junior Tanaka's shot was blocked, only for Tomu Murata to fire a peach of a shot beyond Tagawa and into the top corner. Final score, Toyama 1, Gifu 1. Katare, unable to see the game out and two points dropped, is a heavy price to pay. They stay third. Glimpses of the quality on offer in this Gifu side, but they're now down in 13th. A win for Kagoshima... A draw for Toyama, but for FC Imabari, a calamitous home defeat at the hands of Iwate Gruja Morioka. Both teams hit the woodwork in the opening few minutes. Young Imabari striker Kantachiba Chiba striking the outside of the post. Iwate's Douglas Oliveira having a header tipped onto the bar by John Ander Serrantes. And in the follow-up, home defender Nagisa Sakurauchi did brilliantly to hook the rebound off the line, only for it to hit the inrushing Masashi Wada and bounce back onto the crossbar. But somehow, Imabari escaped unscathed. Subsequent to this, there were lots of half-chances for the hosts, but all in all it was a pretty comfortable afternoon for visiting keeper Kenta and the paper cranes took all three points via Kenneth Otabor's 68th minute goal, Wada clipping it to the far post, Otabo connecting with a half-volley which neither Serantes nor Hayato Teruyama could stop from going in. Final score Imabari Nil Iwate won, a winnable home fixture for Naoto Kudos team, but they come up with nothing and so stay fourth. Now seven points behind Kagoshima. Guruja climbed two places to eleventh. Away from the promotion race, relegation-threatened Giravants Kitakushu had a tough home fixture against form team YSCC Yokohama. Giravants came into the game having scored only once in their previous six outings and they never looked likely to improve on that here. It's not often that I have cause to say SCC were in control throughout a match, but that was indeed broadly the case. Comfortable against a weak attack, always capable of causing problems at the other end, The game was decided by two goals in the second half, the opener stemming from Daiki Sato's cross. A header from Yusei Kayonuma stopped at point-blank range by homekeeper Kenshin Yoshimaru, tapped in on the line by Yasuto Fujita. And the second came on the counter-attack, Seiya Nikaido feeding Yutaro Yanagi, who advanced into the box and dispatched his shot into the far corner. Final score Kitakushu 0, YSCC 2, Gidamants, looking as if they really don't know how to get out of the deep, deep mess they're in at the bottom of the standings. It's now 7 wins from 9 for YSCC since Kazuki Kuranuki took charge there up to ninth. Kuranuki's former side FC Ryukyu announced during the week that from the start of 2024 the club will have a new badge and a new name, FC Ryukyu Okinawa. Marking a switch in focus from bringing a J-League club to Okinawa to strengthening Okinawa, becoming a club Okinawa can be proud of and moving from Okinawa to Asia. And no doubt with those lofty ambitions in mind, Kim Jong-song's team came back from the admittedly. Hardly continental trip to Tegabajaro Miyazaki with all three points. Ryukyu almost took the lead on 22 minutes when Yu Tomidokoro's free kick picked up two deflections along the way but was still tipped over the bar by the alert Shunsuke Ueda. The homekeeper was however beaten 12 minutes later. A counter attack which ended in Takuma Abe setting up Haruto Shirai whose low cross to the far post was perfectly timed for Abe to slot it home. A team with more composure in front of goal than Miyazaki could have got something from this game. Witness Keigo Hashimoto's wild slice of a half volley and Hashimoto and Ikuru Aoyama both failing to convert during an extended goalmouth scramble but the away side sealed the win three minutes from time. Tegevajaro couldn't clear a corner kick. The loose ball made its way to Ryunosuke Noda, who scored unchallenged from close range for his 11th of the season. Final score, Miyazaki nil, Ryukyu two. Tegevajaro without much doubt alongside Kitakushu, the poorest team in the division, although they remain a point outside the bottom two in 18th. UQ one place but now five points above them. Next stop, Asia. In the dressing room pre-match, AC Nagano Pasahiro coach Riki Takagi must have played his team my remarks about them on last week's pod, as the men in Orange were unexpectedly fired up for the visit of Azul Claro Numazu. Pasahiro were ahead on 12 minutes, Naoki Sanda swinging in a long free kick, Tetsuya Anzai heading it away only for Yuma Funabashi to smash a 25-yard volley into the top corner And the home side doubled their advantage before half-time, a well-worked counter-attacking move in which Takashi Kondo set Sander racing goalwards to cross for the unmarked Hiroki Yamamoto to score at the far post, a first in four months for the veteran forward. There was little sign throughout that Azul claro were going to be able to get back into the game and Nagano rounded off the scoring in injury time. Korken Kato with the free kick into the box. Kohei Takahashi with the free header. Final score Nagano 3 Numazu 0. Paseiro's best results in nearly six months and they're up to 14th. Azul Claro made it easy for them though, one of their poorest displays of the season, and they drop to 8th. And finally, Vandarane Hachinohe recovered from going two goals down to claim a point in their home game with Kamatamari Sanuki. Nineteen-year-old Nina Tominaga, a recent loan signing from Vissel Corbe, made his mark for Senuki, picking up a loose ball and sending a snap shot into the bottom right-hand corner to make it 1-0 in only the eighth minute. And Tominaga got his second on the half-hour, rising to glance in now Eguchi's near-post corner. Naoya Senor. it was who gave Hachinohe a lifeline just three minutes after coming on as a sub early in the second half, driving his shot inside the post after Yuya Himeno's corner kick had been only half cleared. Nine for the season now for Seno. And it was from another corner that Van Rade drew level, five minutes from time, Shortchi Niyama floating it in, Corky Myersau heading it on, Tepe Chikaishi stealing in to convert at the far post. Final score Hachinohe two, Sanaki two, Van Rade four unbeaten, although as a classic lower mid table side, they don't seem to stray too much from their current position of twelfth. Kamatamane remain three places below them in 15th. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 33. The top six are Ehime with 64 points, Kagoshima with 57, Toyama 53, Imabari 50, Osaka and Matsumoto Forty-nine. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Sanuki, with 40 points, Fukushima and Ryukyu, 39, Miyazaki, 34, Sagamihana, 33, and bottom of the table with 24, Kitakyushu. Five games left and Ehime are now 11 points clear of third-placed Toyama, But there's also clear daylight between Kagoshima and Toyama. A four-point gap and form is also in Kagoshima's favour. With 15 points to play for, Imabari, Osaka, Matsumoto and the others aren't out of it. But they are now looking pretty long shots. Is it down to Ehime plus one from Kagoshima and Toyama? Down at the bottom, for the third week running, Kitakyushu are nine points behind Sagami Hana. So what's happening to those JFL clubs with J3 2024 licences? What are their chances of finishing in the top two and placing the Sunflowers in serious danger of relegation? Renak Shiga have moved third, only a point behind second-placed Sonny Sendai, but having played a game more. Line Mare are now fourth, three points further back. The good news for Giravants is that Shiga have a bye this coming weekend, while Sonny Sendai are at home against bottom side Okinawa SV. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the Round 34 J3 fixtures this weekend, when there are three games on Saturday the 4th. Third-placed Toyama need to pick up maximum points from their trip to Ryukyu. While elsewhere, Gifu play host to Hachinohe and Iwate are visited by Tottori. Seven games then on Sunday the 5th. The top two, Ehime and Kagoshima, are both at home. Ehime against the division's form side YSCC, Kagoshima against nada. And all the other teams in the top six also have home games. Nothing short of a win will do for Imabari as they host Sagamihara, while Osaka take on Fukushima and Matsumoto meet those wooden spooners Kitakushu. Can Miyazaki break their winless streak as they go to Numazu? And finally, It's 15th against 14th, Sanuki against Naga. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say, thanks for listening, enjoy your football and see you next time. Bye for now.